0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Boutosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. James chapter one, James chapter one. We've been talking about challenges and and tests and trials, and we kind of led off with this thought, um, kind of have been circling around this thought that it's, the, the level that you approach something determines the level of victory that you get. It, it's your approach to problems, not the problem itself that determines if you overcome. And so, uh, uh, you know, we live in a world that's so led by perception. Um, I was even uh, stopped and, and watched a video just this afternoon on an individual that was ministering and Uh, was talking about how our world is led by perception, not by reality. Um, He was talking about how we have Instagram lives. And what he meant by that was, you know, Instagram gives you a a one-minute clip or a photograph to capture something. Um, But the the perception that you learn through a one-minute video or an Instagram story or whatever you call it, Facebook, Live or whatever people are posting is not reality. It's what they've chosen to post, and 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 so he was identifying that a lot of the things that we feel in our lives, even the anxieties. I mean, I. I I, I just see and hear so much about depression and anxiety and disorders, and is it a d- disease? Is it not a disease? Is it a, a signal that your body's trying to tell you, or is it something that you just have to medicate to overcome? I mean, just all these questions, and, and, and you know I, I don't remember these conversations, and maybe it's just because I'm getting older and noticing different things, I don't know, but I don't remember these conversations 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, what's feeding that? What's fueling that? I'm not saying that depression's brand new. I mean, you got people in the Bible that were, uh, you know, had what you could term uh, or, you know, call depression or anxiety today. I mean, it's nothing new, but we have new lenses today. We have new ways of viewing the same things, the things that have always been there, but we see it differently. And you've heard us talk about this before. The lens determines uh, uh, what you see, not what is actually there. I mean, I'm wearing lenses tonight. I mean, I can give you about as visual of an as, as, as anybody could. I can't see anything without these things. And so right now, everybody's just the blur, just the blob. It doesn't change what's there. I see a blue and a red blob right here with a little bit of khaki in between. <laughs> oh, and I put this on. Oh, there's Kyle. Look at that. Kyle was sitting there the whole time. The lens doesn't change the reality. It changes my perception. It's our perception of things in life that determines our outcome, that determines are we operating in victory or are we gonna operate in defeat? Are we gonna overcome or are we going to, to struggle and, and strain just to barely make it through? And so... The word of God and the, the kingdom of God is a lens to help us see and identify and give proper attention and focus to what is actually there. That's what I want us to understand. It's, it's actually there. And so it's our approach to problems, not the problem itself, that determines your victory, that determines your outcome, that determines your product. And so we wanna have a healthy perception of challenges and trials and tests in our lives. And so here in James chapter one, verse two, he, the, the, the writer is, is trying to help us get a better lens. And so he says, my brethren, who's he writing to? You and I, the body of Christ, the church, believers, brethren, uh, Christians, whatever term you wanna give. We're talking about people that know God, that have received uh, or made Jesus Lord of their life and are doing their best to actively walk out and pursue the kingdom life, being a disciple or a follower of Christ. And so he says, my brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy. means I have to make the decision to be in joy even though the situation isn't joyful. Okay, so I don't have to have a joyous moment to be joyful. To have joy operating in my life. It's telling, right here, it's putting all the responsibility on us. I choose joy. Nobody can choose joy for you. I remember we used to sing a song growing up uh, in, in our church. Um, oh, I can't remember it exactly, but something about, you know, the, the joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't come on, church folk. Help me out now. Where's that? Where's that Oregon? I need that Oregon behind me. I need that, that boom chink drum. This joy that I have, there it is, it's coming back. The uh, the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. Uh, sometimes, you know, we, we are deficient in things in our lives because we're blaming the wrong person for losing it in the first place. We're missing things in our lives because we've neglected it, abandoned it, set it aside, walked away from it, or not given it the proper attention. And then we want to blame it on somebody else for losing it, for taking it. And so we got to recognize, hey, I choose joy. I choose peace. I choose faith. No one can take my faith. No one can take my peace. That, that's up to me. And I can be in the midst of contrary situations, just as he says, count it all joy when what? When you fall into various trials. Not when you come out, but when you fall into, when, when, when the situation comes upon you, that's, listen to me, you need joy more in contrary situations than you do in confident situations. I'll say that again. You need joy more in contrary situations than you do. Thank God that we can be happy and joyful when everything's going great. But when you really need to kick it into gear, when you really need that joy to show up, when you really need to choose joy, you don't have to choose joy when everything's going right. You don't have to choose it. That's almost automatic. But joy bears the greatest results when you choose it. Joy will produce the greatest results in your life when you make a choice to be joyful, to live in joy. That's when, it's the same way with faith. I don't need faith when everything's going right and I have exactly what I I need, but I need faith. I heard someone say one time that the moment that you receive what you've been believing for, God's already moving on to the next thing. God doesn't live in what you have. God lives in what you have yet to accomplish, yet to become, yet to find, yet to do. That's where God's at. You're praising and thanking God for the car you've been believing for, and he said, hey, I'm over here. What about this house? Well, let's stand and believe for this. God is always moving on, because He's always God is, 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 is activated and moved by our faith. Your faith moves God. You need to know that. Your faith will literally move God. Move God to action. God operates on the behalf of the faithful, those that operate in faith. And so we've got to recognize it's a choice. So he says, my brethren, believers, church, listen, count it all joy. Choose joy when you fall into various trials. My joy produces its greatest results in adverse circumstances. Now, here's the thing I want to hone in on tonight. I want to move us along. In verse 3, he says this. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This is where we're going to kind of hone in on right here. First off, I find it interesting that he mentions faith because we weren't talking about faith. We were talking about joy and we were talking about trials. We were talking about joy when I fall into a trial, but now it's almost like the writer is shifting gears and says, knowing that, the testing of your faith. So here's what I know. Here's what this verse is telling me. When my faith is tested, joy should be the product. When my faith is tested, joy should be the product. You could almost put it this way. This might be hard, but that's okay. You got your steel toe shoes on tonight? If you're not in joy, you might not be in faith. He's making a connection here. He's not changing gears. He's staying right in the same line. He just went from joy to trial to faith to patience. <laughs> We're gonna connect all the dots tonight because I don't want us getting lost like we have to drudge and fight and cry and wellow and, and weep. And, and look, there's gonna be, you know, we, we, we know the verses. Joy comes in the morning, weeping for the night. Joy comes in, but, but he's telling me here that when my faith is tested, Joy should be the result. He says nothing. Look what he says. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces miracles. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces answers. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces signs and wonders. Produces what you want. What you're believing for. What you're staying. No, he says, he says the testing of your faith produces what? That's the word we didn't want to hear. I didn't want to hear that. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces immediate results as soon as you say it, declare it, believe it, stand on it, whatever. No, he says there might be a waiting period. And in the patience, in the waiting period, joy should be your position. I'm reading the Bible, guys. I'm not making this up. I didn't tell you these words. I'm not changing anything. This has been here for over 2,000 years, and it's not going anywhere. It's gonna be the same until Jesus returns and even beyond that. So we might as well just read it for what it says and just stand on it. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, you've heard us say it before, faith that is not tested Cannot be trusted. I don't want faith that hasn't been tested. I don't want faith that hasn't been put through it. I don't want faith. And, 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 and I, we've said this before. That many of us want great faith without the great trials that bring, develop, mature great faith. It's the same as if I go to the gym and say, or, or go to a trainer and, and, and say, I want to, you know, add this much muscle weight, or I want to get this much bigger, or I want to tone this up, but I don't want any weights. I don't want any pressures. I want to be able to eat however I want. I, you know, I want to come in here and watch everybody else work out and, and feel like it's happening, but I don't want any pressure that's actually going to produce the result I desire. See, What God is more interested in, if I can just put it this way, God is more interested in building your faith than working a miracle. Hear me now. God is more interested in building your faith in him and who he is than him just being the person that fixes all your stuff and that he's just at a beckoning call. How do I know that? Israelites in the wilderness had all the miracles they wanted still wandered around because they didn't trust and know who he was by faith. Yeah, God's a miracle worker, sure is. He's a mighty God. He's an awesome God. Great are you, Lord. We just sang songs about how awesome and how mighty he is. Not taking that away. But in the process of that, he wants you to develop great faith. And so, How do we develop faith? We test it. Now, you don't test something for something it doesn't have the capacity to do. You test it to prove what is already there. You don't test something, you don't tease it. That's called teasing, not testing. Bet you can't do this, bet you can't do that. That's not what God is saying. He said, no, no, let me test the faith so I can prove that it's in there. Now, if you go through the testing and the faith isn't there, then we know we've got some work to do. Remember, we've already said this. We said this in week one. The test doesn't come to keep you somewhere. It comes to get you somewhere. That's what the test does. Ask any of these teachers. They're all in the middle of test week right now, and they're hoping that these kids will test out of their class and not test to stay in their class. Please get out of my classroom. Please move on to Algebra 2. I'm tired of teaching you Algebra 1. You should know this by now. And we're testing to prove that everything we've taught all year is in there. You might not think it's in there, but the test will prove. The test will bring excitement to you. The test will encourage you. The test will prove to you that what you have been working on is there. It's developing, and it's going to help get you to the next level. And you will never get to the next level until you test out of the level level it doesn't work that way you cannot test or you you cannot move to the next level until you've been tested on the previous level so many times we want to go around the testing we want to go around the proving oh trust me god i i believe you But no, no, no. He says, no, it's, it's got to be tested. It's got to be tested so it can be trusted. You know why? Because at the next level, you're going to need even greater faith. And if you haven't proven to yourself that you had the previous level of faith necessary, you're going to struggle at the next level. It's, it's dangerous to advance beyond a level that you've tested out of. That's dangerous and so you know we live in a in a in a culture and we live in a society that wants things before we're ready for it when you get something you're not ready for it's called immaturity that's literally what immaturity means it means you're not ready yet i don't hand the keys to my son after we get out of church tonight and say all right let's go home why he's immature in his driving ability. He doesn't have the level to handle that type of capacity. He hasn't developed himself to that degree. The story of the prodigal son is a story of a young man that got more than he was able to handle. He did not have the capacity to manage that level of wealth and that level of, uh, uh, of, of his inheritance. There's a reason why inheritance comes to the mature, not the immature. So even if you are given it, if you have not prepared yourself or developed yourself to handle it, you will blow it. That's, that's the result so God's wanting to make sure we don't get something before we can handle it. God wants to make sure that, that we don't uh, arrive at a season that will end up blowing the blessing and the blessing will break us rather than advance us. And so he says there is a season of testing and the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Look at this in the the New Living Translation. I love how this reads in the New Living, starting with verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. See, This is where we have to take opposition and turn it into opportunity. This is where we have to recognize, and you've got to remember the principle from last week. Last week was so important and, and so paramount to this. The problem you're facing isn't really the problem. You're the problem. The problem is hoping that you don't figure out who you really are. We talked about the Israelites going into the promised land. Y'all Remember? And we went all the way back to Genesis chapter 15 and found out that the Israelites, when they came up on the promised land, thought that the Amalekites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Philistines and all those people were a threat to them. But if you go back to Genesis 15 and then you skip ahead to Joshua chapter 6, you'll find out that the Israelites were actually a threat to those guys. We are the ones they're afraid of, not the other way around. They're so afraid that they have put up the walls and the fortification and, 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 the, and so much of the struggle and the challenges that we face are there because that stuff is trying to keep you out. You know why there's such a wall around your marriage? Because the enemy doesn't ever want you to find out what a godly, biblical marriage looks like. Because if you do, you will storm the gates of hell. You know why? Because one can put a 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And he's like, man, the ramifications of these two ever getting on the same page and figuring each other out, I will lose an entire army to them. Not only that, they're gonna pass that on to their kids because healthy marriages produce healthy children. Generations. You got generations of healthy marriages that can flow from that because now a young boy learns how to treat a young girl. Young girl understands how to support a young man. The enemy's fearful of that. So he's built up walls. He's fortified that city. And he's afraid you'll tear it down. He's afraid you'll figure out who you are. He's afraid you'll get an identity that aligns with the word, not your problem. Our problems problems are terrible at telling you who you are. Your problem is horrible at telling you what your limits are. They do a terrible job, but the word of God will tell you exactly. And when you get in the word and then you start getting your identity, you start finding out, wait a minute, That challenge is not opposition, it's opportunity. Thank you for the problem. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you, because now I've just found out why I'm here. Because the problem gives me purpose. The problem tells me, the problem is speaking to my potential. Amen. This is good stuff. So he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Your endurance has a chance to grow. He goes on to say there in the new living, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed... Did you know endurance has to be developed? And there's only one way for endurance to be developed, wait. I tell you, one of the greatest dangers that I see in the church today, and again, this is just from culture and society that's feeding into this. One of our biggest problems isn't the problem itself, it's time. Time is our problem. We don't want to give the proper amount of time for development. Things take time to develop. I mean, you know, one of the easiest uh, questions or one of the, uh, the most common questions Christians ask is in Genesis chapter three, when man sinned, why didn't God just send Jesus right then? But Jesus made it very clear. The fullness of time, Even when he was on the earth, why did he spend 33 years wandering around? Why didn't he just go straight to the, let's wrap this thing up. And Jesus was very clear. My time has not yet come. And even now, we always ask the question, Jesus, what are you waiting on? It's only getting worse. It's not getting any better. What is your problem? Why are you just hanging out in heaven watching this thing continue to deteriorate? You can come now and you can, in one moment, Bring us back up. Take us to heaven. Eliminate all those that hate you and don't care. Why aren't you coming now? Jesus, come now. And what is the answer? It's until the fullness of time. There is a season and a time. Even in Genesis, uh, when when God creates the earth, he said there's things that are always going to be in the earth. Seed time and harvest. Seed. Time. Time. And harvest that's in the word of God we preach it like it says seed and harvest <laughs> where we start and where we end and in between is the time and so now we stand at a microwave warming up a 60 minute hot pocket wondering when the 30 or you know the 60 second hot pocket and wondering when the 30 second hot pocket's gonna come I can't wait 60 seconds that's too long for cheese and ham to just heat up and bread to to get soft enough for me to break through and get the ice off of this thing. No, we want things now. We wanna eliminate the time but still arrive at the same product and that's not possible. Anytime you eliminate time, you compromise the result. Do you want a meal that was cooked in an oven or do you want a meal that was cooked in a microwave? Now, I, I, I'm standing before you right now. Did you say both? Oven. Oh, I thought you said both. I was like, he's like, I want it all. Just, I don't care if it's a microwave or the oven, whatever. Patience is not one of my strong suits. Anybody with me? But isn't that amazing? Oh, man, I got a, a finger flick from the back there, two hands over here. Someone's lowering up their foot back there. But yet we're reading right here that that's the very component that's necessary to get us to the result that we're believing for. Time. Endurance. Patience. Patience isn't just waiting. You ever seen someone wait impatiently? Ever been behind someone at a stoplight and the light turns green and they're still sitting there? That's why we got horns. Anybody use their horn lately? Oh, what are you waiting for, an invitation? All right, come on, you can come. That's what the green light's for. That's telling you, you can go. Gas pedal's on the right. Let's go, let's get there. I, I do. I'm not a journey guy. You hear those, you know, Enjoy the journey. Uh, what, what, what do they say? Something about the destiny. I don't even know. I forgot the stupid quote because it's ridiculous. I don't care about the journey. Just get me there. Point A to point B, I don't want to see anybody on the way. I don't want anybody in my way. I don't care if we just pass the gas station. I don't care if we just, whatever. Where are we supposed to be? How do we get there? Get me, the, get me the end result. So I'm telling you everything you're not supposed to do right now. I'm telling you that I am not a, a, a great example at anything that you are currently reading. But this is what he says for those weird people that are just calm and patient and endure. He says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, I, not half developed, not, not, not 10%, not 90, and he says, fully developed. You will be perfect and complete needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. So now he's cluing me in here that I, I'm gonna need some wisdom to navigate this thing. Patience, endurance, I'm gonna need some wisdom, I'm gonna need something beyond my natural talents, my natural abilities, my natural smarts or ability to perceive or see something. I need God's wisdom and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Let patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking Nothing. Look over in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I wrote this down in my notes. I just thought that this was a great way to, to look at it. Faith gets you to it. Patience gets you through it. Faith is how you keep the object, your result, your end goal in front of you. But now it's patience that gets you along that journey and along that path that gets you to where you know your faith will ultimately lead you. Your faith grabs a hold of it. Your faith works backwards. Your faith talks about it, acts like it. Come on now. Faith is how you prepare for the result. Faith is how you get to the end and you grab hold of it before you even ever take a step. It doesn't matter what a doctor says. It doesn't matter what they treat you like. It doesn't matter how people respond. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what's in your bank account. Faith says, I disregard all of that. This is what we're believing for and standing on. But now what we're finding is it's not just faith alone that gets us there. This is a key component, this time issue, this endurance issue, this patience issue. I've seen many people have faith without patience, and they are right where they were from day one. They're still at the starting line. They know what the goal is. They know what they're believing for, but they haven't been able to endure. Jesus said it's those who endure to the end, not just talk about the end, that shall be saved. I don't just believe in the end. I don't just talk about the end. I don't just uh, uh, act like I have the end. I've got to have endurance that get me through the process so I can get to the end. And so Galatians chapter 6, start with verse 6. says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now look at verse 9. And let us not grow weary while what? Doing good. Did you know you can get tired? even from doing good, we can lose our our endurance and our patience even when we're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. We still have an acknowledgement. We still have a, a, a risk awareness raised within us that says, don't get tired. Don't grow weary. It's a fight. If you're fighting and winning or fighting and losing, you still get tired. You're still wore out. You still are compromised in your efforts if you allow yourself to become weakened even while doing the right thing. I've encouraged many people in fights of faith, in battles of faith, challenges of faith. I I do not go merely off of their confession. I don't go merely off of their belief system. I don't go merely off of their, uh, I can hear in their voices when weakness is starting to creep in. And I'll encourage them hey, you've been doing the right thing, you've been fighting. You've been staying up praying. You've been in the word. You've been listening to healing scriptures. You've been standing. You've been believing. You've been surrounding yourself. You've kicked the people out that that are in agreement and you've locked yourself into a community of believers that are right there with you. But hey, take some time to make sure you don't grow weary in the process. There's still, still an acknowledgement here don't allow yourself to grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap. If we what? Do not lose heart. Doesn't say do not lose faith. I don't have the verse down. Maybe one of you guys can help us locate it. But the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord Is our strength. And man, we can quote it a lot better than we do it. And I'm speaking to myself, because joy is the last thing you wanna conjure up when you're weak. It's amazing, you feel like you need strength just to be joyful. I need strength to have joy. And he says, no, 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 if you would have joy, you would have strength. I know it feels like you're putting the cart before the horse. I know it feels like you're doing things out of order and out of turn. I know it feels uh, 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 counterproductive to just be laughing and be happy and be excited and, and, and get your joy factor up. And I'm not talking about happiness, but those emotions will follow having joy. And I'm telling you right now, it feels like it's, it's the wrong way. It doesn't fit, but it's your joy that gives you strength. Someone told me today that um, I was talking with the pastor up in in Statesboro, Georgia, and I was talking with him, and he said that his brother, uh, they just recently diagnosed him with Crohn's disease, I believe it was, and uh, uh, he had lost all this weight down to 97 pounds, really was on the verge of losing his life, just a real tough battle. But he said one of the things that kept him helping his brother fight and even kept himself in the fight, he called it a gratitude check. A gratitude check. He just started making physical lists of what he was thankful and grateful for. In the midst of a trial, when it's easy to identify everything going wrong, he started writing down all the memories he had with his brother. He started writing down uh, uh, things that he was thankful for in his own life, uh, thankful for the doctors, thankful for their work, thankful for what they were doing. He just he said, I, 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 I would just give myself gratitude checks, and it would put me back in a position of, of what we're talking about, perception. And it would enable him to stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. If you're fighting, you're winning. The enemy can't overcome those that continue to fight. And he said his brother's been making progress. He's been doing a lot better, and, and, and they've come through that. But, but those were things that he had to do personally. Some of you are fighting battles for someone else. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your husband or your, your spouse. Maybe, uh, 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 maybe it's uh, an employer. An, maybe it's your business. And you're fighting for you've got to take the time. Do not grow weary. I have seen strong faith people grow weary. I've seen it affect their faith. Many times we just wanna have that faith stance and that faith position, and we need to have the faith position. That is grabbing a hold of what has not yet happened as if it's happened now, but now it's the patience, it's the endurance, it's the joy through the process of seeing it culminate God has already completed it in heaven. We're just waiting for the natural manifestation here. And you need patience and endurance to see that thing come to pass. And you gotta be able to sense when you're getting weak, sense when you're getting tired. Get at your people around you that will help get that joy back up. Get joyful on your own. Get in the word and allow it to encourage you and build you up. Have some gratitude and some thankfulness even when everything's falling apart. Find one thing if it's breath in your lungs, if it's the fact you woke up, if it's the fact you have a roof over your head, whatever you have to find to keep yourself in the fight. I want to encourage you tonight. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. This was another thing the Lord told me as you're turning there. He said, faith, Changes the circumstance. Patience changes you. Faith changes the circumstance. But God's got another plan. God's God's got another purpose. There's something else God's wanting to work on. And yes, he wants to make your situation better. He wants to heal you of your disease and sickness. He wants the the finances to be back in order. But you know what? There's, There's another one we don't talk about a lot because we're so busy talking about the external, we miss the internal. Many times, God is working on us. He's working on us. He's working on you. Maybe he's working on your character. Maybe he's working on your faith. Maybe he's working on your belief system. Maybe he's working on uh, uh, how, how you see life. Maybe he's working on your gratitude. Whatever it is, there's something he's trying. There's an ulterior purpose. I'm reminded of when Jesus stayed back rather than leaving right that moment to heal Lazarus uh, when, when Matthew, or, uh, Martha and Mary called for him. And he stayed back, Lazarus passes, and, and, and Jesus said, there was, there's another motive, there's another purpose here, that the Son may be glorified through this resurrection. And about six months before Jesus is about to die on a cross, be buried in the ground, and people would have to believe that he would be resurrected, The one last thing he needed to prove to them that someone could be buried in a grave and could still come back to life, even after four days. And if Lazarus could do four, Jesus could surely do three. God's working. He might not be working on the thing you think he should be working on. But he's working. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has what? Great reward. I'm telling you, there's a result that your confidence will bring. There's a reward that your faith will prove. He says, don't throw it away. It can't be taken away, but you can cast it off. Verse 36 for you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, after you've done the will of God, after, what do I do after? I endure. I stick it out. I stay with it. The word endurance here is translated it's defined as constancy, constancy, perseverance, perseverance, continuance, the ability to continue. It means to remain. It says this, It describes the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances, not with a passive complacency, but with a hopeful fortitude that actively resists weariness and defeat. Can I tell you something right now? Weariness can cause more danger to you than the devil can. Tiredness. Come on, we're talking about challenges. We're talking about trials. It's our perception of the trial that determines the product, the outcome, the result. We're talking about if we don't have the right approach, we won't, we won't come to the right conclusion. We're saying that when we fall into trials, we're to count it all joy. That joy is a result of the testing of my faith. If I'm not in joy, I might not be in faith. And when my faith is tested, it's developing, proving my endurance. And now he says, do not cast off this endurance. This endurance that will not let you get tired. This endurance that will not let you get weary. This endurance that will not let you lay down. He says, do not throw off or cast away this confidence. Endurance will not let you. Endurance keeps you in the fight. Endurance keeps you one day at a time, one step at a time, going back at it. Even after we've done the will of God, we have need of endurance that we may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry, But verse 38 says, now the just shall live by faith. Now the just, when? Now. I have in my Bible, I don't know when I wrote this. I don't know where I wrote this. But I circled that word now. And I put a star by it. And then down later on, I put another star that says, in the meantime. In the meantime, the just shall live by faith. We know that we're believing and waiting for a great reward. We know that we are standing on our faith, bringing the the culmination and the end goal, the end result that we're believing for. But in the meantime, I'll live by faith. In the meantime, I'm going to keep my joy up. In the meantime, I'm going to endure and persevere. In the meantime, while I'm in this holding pattern, I'm not going to allow my mouth to be used for negativity. I'm not going to allow my mouth to complain. I'm not going to allow my thoughts to bring anxiety and depression. I'm going to keep my mind stayed on him. He will keep me at perfect peace. My joy will remain full so that I can strengthen myself, so I can stay in the fire. I can run the race, I can keep the faith. There's a need for endurance today. There's a need to fight off weariness today. There's a need to to keep ourselves strengthened and encouraged and to persevere through the challenges. Because while my faith is working on the circumstance, my patience is working on me. While my faith is working on my outcome, my patience is working on who I am in the process. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website